appreciate it. Well, welcome to Fieldstone Church, and we're so glad to be able to worship with you today and um, just to have this opportunity to be together and really celebrate our God. Um, when Justin asked me a few months ago to preach uh, this weekend, the first thing that I did was I stopped and I was like, who's Michigan playing that week? <laughs> because I needed to know if I was going to have a voice or not. And uh, that was my first heart check because if I wasn't going to have a voice just because of a football game, I needed to check myself. So thankfully, I do still have a voice, and it was a great game. I apologize to all of you state fans out there, but for me, it was a good game. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but regardless of that, I was just glad to be able to have this opportunity. I know that this is what God has called me to do. I know that... Um, he wants to use me in this capacity. Uh, I still get nervous. I still get uh, a little bit worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing, but just so glad to be able to be up here and bringing his word to his people. So in, in that uh, vein, if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes with me. I want to go before the Lord first. God, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to be here with your people and to share your word, Lord. I pray that you would uh, use me in that capacity today, but God, that you would speak to each one of us, Lord, that you would use your word just to reach into our hearts, to draw us closer to you, uh, closer to one another as well, um, as we are on this journey together. And um, Lord, that you would use this time just as a refreshing time, as a convicting time, um, but just as a time where we can get just a little bit of a clear glimpse of who you are and what you're calling us to. So we thank you for that time. We thank you for what you're doing here and in this church and just pray that you would continue your awesome work, Lord. It's a privilege to serve you. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So recently, my, I'm gonna, I don't wanna touch that. Uh, but recently my wife and I got an opportunity to go on a baby moon. So we're, we're expecting our first child. We have a son on the way. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, super excited about that. Um, and so with that being the case, we're, we're trying to prepare for that. But one of the things that we wanted to do, knowing that we were expecting our first, is to go on a baby moon. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically a trip that you take just like your honeymoon, but it's before you have your first child. So it's just a chance to get away, to connect, to just be with one another, to have that one last hurrah, if you will, before uh, children come. And so we were going to take, we wanted to take a trip where we could drive, so we decided to go down to Pennsylvania and visit uh, kind of the Dutch country down there. We were going to see the Amish, and um, we bought, I think we came back with like nine jars of different jellies and jams and stuff like that. Like, uh, but we took a day trip down to Philly while we were there, and we were just going to do a few different things. We had a spa day that was, I'm going to say that wasn't my idea, but it was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. Um, but as we're preparing for this trip, I don't know if any of you are like us, but we want to be prepared for anything. We want to be ready for whatever we're going to do. And so we know that we're taking this trip down to Pennsylvania four days and we have a Chevy Equinox. So not a huge car, but pretty decent size, especially just for us. And so 
uh, when we're preparing for this trip, by the time we're done, we have our suitcases, we have just, I mean, ridiculous. We brought a box fan just in case. We brought all of these different things, and by the time we're done, I looked at Liz, and I was like, do you think it's okay if I take four pairs of shoes with me? Like, you know, I don't know what I'll need. She's like, yeah, and she had this bag of shoes that was just gigantic, so I threw mine on top, and I didn't feel so bad about bringing four, but when we were done, our car was packed. It was just packed. I could see out the back window just enough, so it was safe driving, but we had this SUV packed, um, back seat and the rear of the car. But that's how we prepared for our trip, because we just wanted to know that we were ready. And so just like in that regard, we want to be prepared for parenthood. Parenthood in and of itself is a trip. That was just one of the stepping stones on it. And so we want to make sure that we're prepared. So we're reading and we're doing our research. We're going to take some classes and that sort of thing. We, don't get me wrong. We are not one of those naive couples who think that we can be completely prepared and ready for everything that's going to happen. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but there is a need to prepare for any, any trip that you're going to go on, and that's one for us. So if I told you you were going to go on a trip, what's the first thing that you would want to know? Yell it out. Where? Wow, that was good. You guys are good. You, did you read my notes? <laughs> you read my notes. So the first thing you're going to want to know is where. Am I going to Alaska or am I going to Florida? Those two things are going to, you're going to prepare very differently for those. Um, so where you're going, am I going out of country? I should probably get a passport for that. Am I going to Hawaii because I've always wanted to go? Whatever that where is, it's so important. But also it's important to know why. Why are we going on this trip? What am I preparing for when we get there as well? And so it's those two questions that kind of lead us into our scripture today. So uh, today we're going to be in John 14, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bible with you, if you want to open up to John 14. So John 14, 1 through 6. And just a little bit of background for this. This scripture is going to find us right in the middle of Jesus talking to his disciples, his close inner group of friends, right after the Passover meal. So they've entered into Jerusalem, and it's right before Jesus is going to go to the cross and be crucified for their sake and for our sake. So that's where we find this, and he's talking to his closest friends. It's right after they have that Passover and right before he's going to be crucified. And also importantly, this is right after. So Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples, guys, I have to lay down my life. I have to leave. I have to go. And he's trying to say it's for their benefit that he's going to lay down their life for their sake and that he's going to leave and he will come back. But as he's explaining to them that they have to go, one of his closest friends, Peter, stands up and he's like, no, God, whatever happens, wherever you go, whatever you do, everyone else might abandon you, but I won't. And he says, I'll follow you. I will die for you. I will give up my life. And that's when Jesus says, Peter, you say these things, and it sounds great, basically, but before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he's saying this to one of his closest friends, but that's the scripture right before we jump into where we are here. So he foretells Peter's denial, and then Jesus says this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
you know the way to the place where I am going. And basically, bottom line, what Jesus is saying here is, don't worry. You're getting ready to go through a lot of stuff here. You're getting ready to go through watching me be butchered and crucified. You're getting ready to go through all of that. You're getting ready to go through a lot of different trials and tribulations and all of these things. And Jesus looks at his friends and he says, don't worry. You will be where I am. He gives them that future focus. He gives them this glimpse into the future that even though you're about to get, you're getting ready to go through something that's worse than you've ever gone through before, don't worry. You will be where I am. He gives them this glimpse of the future. But then Thomas, being the honest man that he is, or the doubtful man that he is, um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And that comes back to our question, what's the most important thing that we can know about a trip, a journey that we're taking is where? And Thomas is looking at Jesus and he's saying, I don't know where you're going. We don't know where that is, so how can we know the way to that place? And with his disciples, they thought that Jesus was coming to rule now. They thought that he was setting up his kingdom now. They thought that he was going to overthrow the government right then. For a while, they thought that, and they thought that that's what the Messiah was going to do. But Jesus is telling them, instead of doing that right now, I'm actually going to have to lay down my life. I'm going to have to leave you and go somewhere else. And so it was really them trying to change a, a big way of thinking in their minds. And so he's changing a lot about that. But Jesus responds this way with Thomas's answer. He says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says this in 14.6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so with this verse in church, uh, I'm, if you've spent any time in church, you've probably heard this verse. For, verse 14.6 is a great one that we use for evangelism, that um, Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's so true, and that's so key to understand and grasp that concept of Jesus. But in context, he's talking to people who already know him, who are already intimate with him, who already have that relationship with him. And what he's saying is it's, it's a response to Thomas's question. And the key point that we need to grasp from that is not just that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father, and that's the where. That's the answer to Thomas's question. He says, no one comes to the Father. That's where you're going. You're going to the Father. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to bring you, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you back, and I'm going to bring you to the Father as well. And that's, that's his consolation to them, and he's going to unpack what that means for them in the next few chapters, and how he wants them to live in response to that, but that's his consolation in this time of trial, is, guys, don't worry, I'm leaving, but you're coming too, just not now, just not yet. And so that becomes our journey. That becomes our destination, is going to the Father. And so the truth of the matter, the fact of the matter is that we are on our way to God. So this isn't just a truth for his disciples back then. This is a truth for us as we follow Jesus now as well, that we are on our way to God. And we should be living like it. That should change the way that we think. That should change the way that we interact with one another. That should change really every aspect of our lives, but especially the way that we interact with God and the way that we interact with one another. So this changes so much. And this isn't going to be a talk on what heaven is going to look like, even though that's an awesome concept to think about. This isn't going to be a talk about what it's going to look like when we get there. 
Although, if you want a little tidbit with that, Paul said, the Apostle Paul said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can truly know the treasures that God has waiting up for us in heaven. So if you want to glimpse into that, just use your imagination. Think about the greatest thing that you can possibly think about and just know that that still falls short of what God has for us. But that's not what this talk is going to be about. I'm going to give you three things, three points that I want you to consider, three differences that this truth makes, the fact that we are on our way to God and that we should be living differently because of that. And I want to give you three points. So the first one, number one, is going to be that this should give us a different perspective. This truth should give us a different perspective as we we live out this journey, knowing that we're on our way to God. And that perspective is one that's eternal versus temporal. We tend to have a temporal perspective. We tend to have a perspective that thinks about the here and now. A lot of our our journeys can be faced toward retirement. You know, a lot of people are just trying to make it to retirement. Or if you're not quite as ambitious, you're just trying to make it to the weekend. You know, you're just, you're trying to get to a place where you can rest, where you can step back, where you can get that break. Um, and so a lot of people work toward retirement their entire life. And that's, that's a temporal goal. That's something that's here. That's something that's now. Um, versus eternal, versus the thought process of there's something even bigger coming, something even greater down the road that I'm on my way to. And the first time I got hit with this sort of thought process, this uh, eternal versus temporal, was actually uh, when my mother got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, This was about, what, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago? It seems crazy to think that it was that long ago. Um, but she got diagnosed with breast cancer, and for our family, we had, this was a time point where we had no idea how aggressive this was. We had no idea how aggressively we were going to have to treat it and walk through it with her, and um, there was just a whole lot of unknowns. And I was a relatively newer believer at that point. I had been walking with Jesus for about two years, and I just remember in that moment that God really challenged me that if he were to take her away, if God were to call her home, would I still follow him? And that's a difficult question to wrap your mind around. That's a difficult question to answer and just be like, yeah, you want to think about that from a removed perspective and say, yeah, totally, like, I'm all in. But when it's your mom or your significant other or somebody that you care that much about, God's saying, if I chose that this was their time to leave this earth, would you still follow me? And he took me through a process, and he took me through um, just an understanding that I had to think about the future, not just the future on this earth, but the, the eternal future that he had waiting for us. And God brought me back to a couple of years before that when I had come to Christ, when I had placed my trust in him, when I started my relationship with Christ. And God gave me that boldness and that, that desire to share my faith with my parents because they didn't know him yet. And God gave me that boldness to say that I knew that I was going to heaven because of what Jesus had done for me, and I refused to go there without my parents. And that was enough for my mom, and my mom shortly after that decided to come to church and check out this whole thing that I had been talking about. And shortly after that, she came to Christ. And she started her relationship with him. And God brought me back to that point and brought me to a point where I could be okay knowing that if he chose that this was the time that she was going to leave this earth, that I would see her again. That we had a home that was way greater than this one, that I would see her again 
the other side of eternity, that I would see her again when God called me home too. And I could be okay with that. I didn't want her to go. I didn't want her to be called home, but I could be okay with it because of the promises of God, because of this promise that we're talking about today. But I'm willing to bet big money that a lot of people in here have asked God to heal someone, have asked God to do something big, and God didn't do it the way that you were asking him to. And so in this instance, I can look at this too, and I can say, if God chose that that was going to be the time that he was going to take her home, I could have chosen to be bitter and be angry that God didn't answer my prayers, that he didn't heal my mother. Or I could stop and I could recognize the other eternal truth that comes with this, with an eternal perspective, is the fact that if I'm begging God to heal her, if I'm begging God to make her whole again, and he calls her home, God didn't say no to my answer, or to my prayer. God did not answer no to my prayer in that, because she is whole. She is complete. She is healed. She's just in his presence. So even more so than I could have even expected or asked for, God would have been completely healing her in that regard. And so you can see how that switch, that eternal switch that can flip in our minds when we recognize that we're all on our way to God can change that eternal versus that temporal mindset. And so the scripture that I want to give you is from Colossians 3.2. And Paul says this. He says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Very simply put, very plainly put. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. And so that leads us to our second point, the second difference that this makes. And this is a different purpose. So this eternal mindset, this future focus, gives us a different purpose in this life. As plainly put as I can, the fact that we're on our way to God shows us just how much that relationship means in this life. This life was created to be lived in relationship with God. And God went through everything that he did to make that relationship possible for us. And so because this life boils down to that relationship with God, we can then boil down our purpose here once we understand that to a couple of different things. To know him and to make him known. That if I know that I'm on my way to God because of the relationship that I share with him, because I know Jesus, because of what he's done to restore that relationship with him, I also understand that everyone else here is on that same path. That there will be a day where you're going to come face to face with God. And so my purpose in this life really gets simplified in that sense that I'm to know him, to have that intimate relationship with him, but I'm also to make him known. I want other people to know this God that I know, that I love, that I serve, that I care about because of all that he's done for me, because of the way that he loves and cares um, about us. And so that, that can simplify that. Another way to look at this, too, is Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And he, he boiled it down to two things. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. And if we boil that down even further, Jesus just looks at the people who are asking him, and he says, the whole law, everything that we do in this life is boiled down to this. Love God and love others. And so that purpose just gets simplified. 
A future focus, focus just helps us simplify our purpose in this life and to see what we're called to do while we're here. And so in Hebrews 12, the author says this of Jesus. So we, we have our, our greatest example of this in Jesus himself. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But the key point in that is for the joy set before him. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew what he was going back to. Jesus knew he has a leg up on us because he was there and came down and then he was going back. But we can still gain that perspective from him and we can still gain that example from him because he knew what was coming. He was able to go through more pain, hurt, suffering, and anguish than we will ever have to go through. He did that on our behalf, but he was able to do that because he knew what he was going to. He knew the relationship that he had with his father, and he loved us so much that he was willing to walk through that on our behalf. And so, again, Jesus lived out that concept, love God and love others. And so that's why he's our example. And the third difference, the third uh, difference that this truth makes, this future focus makes, is a different pursuit. It gives us a different pursuit in the sense that we are now seeking God's glory, not our own gain. The day that I came to know Christ, the day that I was saved, the day that I came into that relationship with him, my future was set. The day that you came to know Christ, and I hope that's already happened, that you've met him, that you know him, that you've trusted in him for your salvation to make you right with God again. The day that you met him, your future was set. You're all set. That knowing him and following him guarantees us that place in heaven. Guarantees us that promise from John 14 that he promised his first disciples. He's promising us that now. So you're all set. Jesus is saying you already have a place, an eternal place. You don't have to worry about the day-to-day, the little things. And so because we don't have to worry about the day-to-day, the little things in this life as much anymore, because we know that our eternity is secure in him, that we have a place, that he's coming and he's going to bring us back to that place. He's bringing us to the Father. Because of all of that, because of that truth, we now can switch our mindset from trying to do everything that we can to gain what we want or need in this life and to seek out to glorify God, to lift him up. Paul put it very clearly in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I don't know exactly what it looks like to take a drink for the glory of God, a drink of water for the glory of God. I, I don't know exactly what that looks like in my life personally. I can do that and just thank God that this water was given to me by him because I need water. So I can be thankful for that. But really what Paul is getting at the, to the core here is, even in the little things, in the smallest things, in the day-to-day things, there's a way to glorify God in those things. In the way that I work, I can glorify God, just thankful that he's given me work to do and I can do it in a way that pleases him, that honors him. The way that I care for my family, the way that I care for others, I can do that in such a way that it glorifies God because I understand their value and their worth in his eyes and I want to glorify him in that. So our, our pursuit 
becomes all for God's glory because eventually we're gonna be face to face with him. Eventually we're coming to him, we're going to him. And on that day, well, we'll kind of unpack that a little bit more uh, right here actually. And so a future focus can change the way we look at everything. Like I just said, it changes the way that we view every aspect of our life or it should. And so this week, I just want to give you a a couple of challenges. This week, I want you to take some time and to focus on the future. The future future, not just what the future in this life looks like, but but the future. Uh, There's one uh, set of verses I want to give you that can help out with that, and I'll give you a couple other things too. So Isaiah 25, verses 8 through 9. You should write that down. You should make sure, or at least take a picture or something. It'll be up on the screen. So Isaiah 25, verses 8 through 9, and it says this. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And this is just a picture that Isaiah gives us of that final day when we finally come face to face with God, when all those, those tears and those fears and everything is wiped away. No more shame, no more guilt. And we finally see him face to face. And this is just a great example of God's people being before him and saying, this is him. This is the one that we've been following, that we've been seeking after, that we know to be our God. He's the one who has saved us. He's the one who's done everything for us. And so this week, take these verses and I want you to act like it's the day that you meet God face to face. I want you to spend just a little bit of time acting like it's actually that day. Martin Luther um, said that, quoted, that, the only two, that he only had two days on his calendar, this day and that day. And what he meant was, I only have two days that I focus on. I focus on the day that I'm living right now and how that's supposed to be lived out and that future day when I will meet God face to face. And if you don't know anything about Martin Luther, he did some pretty cool things for the faith. And he's the one who started leading the Reformation in a pretty big way. Um, we won't get into all that, but pretty cool guy. But that's how he focused on the future. He said, there's only two days on my calendar, the way that I live this day and the way that I will, and that final day when I finally meet God face to face. And so I understand that this is a little bit difficult to wrap your minds around. This is like me saying, hey, wrap your mind around infinity. And it's, we can't really do that. We can't really understand what that day is going to be like when we step out of this temporal realm when we step into eternity and when we see a holy God face to face. We can't wrap our mind completely around that. And so I want to give you a couple more things that might help with that. If you're a fan of music, these are two songs that really help me kind of start to gain a grasp of that. So the first one is I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. That song's phenomenal and gets you to a point where you can kind of start to at least get some word pictures of what that's going to look like. So I can only imagine by Mercy Me. And the second one, the one that I've been listening to as I've been prepping for this sermon throughout, is by Phil Wickham, and it's called Heaven's Song. Absolutely love that song. But 
Phil Wickham Heaven Song. So those, those two things will probably give you a little bit of a better, uh, I guess, uh, like I said, that word picture of what that looks like. So um, those two things I want to give you. But in that moment, as you're stopping and you're thinking about that day that you meet God face to face, what will your worship look like? What will your worship look like? Or what do you want your worship to look like? Do you want to meet God face to face and just know him intimately already? We can experience that worship now. We can experience that intimacy with him now. So when we finally meet him face to face, when we get that opportunity, it's familiar. We're with the one that we love, just like the people of Israel in this verse, looking at him and saying, this is our God. This is the one. I've been following him, I've been seeking him, and I've been doing all of these things for him and for his glory, and I'm finally here. Or for some of us, that could be a moment where we have a little bit of that fear or at least a little bit of that shame knowing that maybe we had a little too much of that temporal focus. Maybe we worried a little bit too much about this life that we were living, about what we could gain out of this life. It's just a good perspective check to think about that day and what that's going to bring about in you. And secondly, so how will you look back on your life in that moment? What are you going to think about the way that you live? What are you going to, to view? We always say that hindsight is twenty twenty. So think about that. Think about the fact that one day you will be looking back on your life and things will be clear. Things will make sense back at that moment. Things will come into clarity in a way that they never have before. So what are you going to be thinking in that moment? And what do you want to look back and grasp from that? How do you want to look back on your life? And so the truth of the matter is that we are on our way to God. We are. That, that's a truth that you can take to the bank. There will be a day where you come face to face with him. And so we have to grapple with these things now and we have to figure these things out now so that we can actually live differently in light of that. So the ultimate question is, how can this truth, and this is going to look different for everyone, and this is why I want you to grapple with these things this week, is how can this truth change the way that you live? How can this truth change the way that you live? And I know that these are heavy questions to sit down and think about, but I think you'll be hard-pressed to find anything that's more worth your time in this life. So um, if you would, the band's going to come up and lead us in a, a couple more songs. But before they do, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me one more time. <sighs> Father, I thank you so much for this time again that you've given us, your people, to sit here and to think about your word, to think about your promise, Jesus, that one day we will be with you. One day you're going to come and bring us back to you. One day, Lord, we will physically see you face to face. God, prepare us for that day. Prepare us for this journey that you have us on, that you've promised is leading to you. Get us ready for that. Help us to worship you, to seek you out, to have that eternal perspective to have a focus on our purpose and our pursuit in this life that just seeks to make much of you and to glorify you in everything that we do. 
Lord, I know that that looks differently for every person sitting in this room, and I just pray that you would reach into each one of our hearts individually, Lord, that you would give us some clarity, and God, that you would help us to see you um, in a more concrete way than maybe we ever have before. God, use this. Draw us near to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.